Well, and welcome to another episode of Conversations and Connections. Again, we are the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency, and we're taking the uh, the Conversations mobile studio on the road uh, again today. We're at the SFA uh, campus here in Nacogdoches. We're in the McKibben Building at the Title IX office, and I have um, with me today Kate West, who is the Title IX Compliance Specialist uh, here at SFA. Kate, thank you again for agreeing to do this. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Stuart. Um, And um, Kate and the Family Crisis Center, we have a history. We kind of go back a little bit. Kate used to be... uh, uh, an officer with the the SWAT, the Student Wellness Action Team, and um, kind of in the pre-COVID days when we were on campus a lot, we did a lot of stuff uh, with with the SWATs. Yeah, and we did. Uh, uh, Kate is continuing her service here at SFA, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on in the show. But um, so, Kate, before we begin. Um, can you kind of briefly tell us, I, th- I think a lot of people may hear that term, Title IX. Title IX. <laughs> right. Uh, for folks who may not know and who may not be that familiar, what is Title IX? Uh, and what do you do here? How do you work with Title IX here at SFA? Gotcha. That's a great question, Stuart. So Title IX is short for Title IX of the Education Amendments Act of 1972. So essentially, Title IX is a educational civil right that protects students and employees in the institution receiving federal funding against discrimination, violence, or harassment on the basis of sex. Okay. So it was initially established to ensure that both sexes could have equal access to funding and programs and activities in various institutions, K through 12 and higher education. Um, But in the last, I want to say decade or so, plus or minus a few years, um, it has also come to incorporate sexual violence. Um, According to the government and various other experts in the sexual violence field, if there is an actor in the institution that is perpetuating sexual violence, that could be a very big barrier to students wanting to continue um, proceeding with their program, wanting to stay in school at all. And so in a way, sexual violence, sexual harassment um, is one of those uh, government interests. We want to try to uh, prevent those things, resolve those things within the context of uh, the educational program. Okay. So, and again, I guess, uh, what, what sort of instance would a student need to come here to the Title IX office? Why, why would a student need to visit the Title IX office? That's a great question. Um, we do have a very, uh, specific jurisdiction. Um, and so I don't mean to explain this to try to discourage anyone from coming forward if they don't think that, um, it would, fit into these categories, but essentially if there's someone that is um, a student or employee of the institution that is um, creating a hostile sexual environment, Mm -hmm. um, that is uh, committing or that has sexually assaulted someone, is sexually harassing someone, stalking someone, um, specifically in um, 
in events or activities associated with the institution um, or on campus in general. So we don't necessarily have control over people that aren't affiliated with SFA. They're not held to our policies, um, which is essentially what governs um, these rules is we have a policy um, related to the Title IX Education Amendment Act. Um, So we can't hold people that aren't affiliated necessarily to our policies um, or um, other entities outside of SFA. But if there is ongoing harassment that is seeping into the educational programs or activities, so if actor that's not affiliated comes to campus and is um, committing ongoing harassment, that might be a Title IX yeah, issue. Right. So it's it's a little gray, okay. and there's a whole rubric that we have to go through in order to make those sure. kinds of assessments. Sure. But essentially, that's the goal, is okay. um, to try to <clears throat> resolve issues of a sexual nature that is going on yeah. within uh, campus programs and activities. Well, I was just kind of wanting you to kind of talk a little bit right. about that, because right. again, I think a lot of people and a lot of students probably hear about the Title IX office. We're here to help you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but exactly what is Title IX? And I think we hear a lot about Title IX, and it's we probably hear more about it now than we used to, because I think um, healthy relationships and assault prevention has come to the forefront over recent years because yes. it's it's kind of interesting when you hear about, you know, you just say, you know, the Title IX Act of 1972, and you probably weren't even around then. <laughs> you know, you, right. and I guess when you think about it, it's probably something more, you would, a lot of people would probably think it's something more recent because I think we are hearing about Title IX more now than we have in the past, really. Right. I would certainly agree with that. Um, yeah. It. Like I said, it was initially enacted for completely different reasons than what it. Um, and that's something has else that's really interesting, too. right? Right. Um, so it definitely has become more of a hot button issue. You're sure. right. A lot of people are a little bit confused about what exactly that is. So I'm glad that yeah. you know this yeah. was the first thing that we decided yeah. to cover right. in this conversation. Well, and that brings me, I guess, okay. So uh, to the next topic, I, I want to talk about kind of what we're here for, April is a sexual assault awareness month. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, uh, here at SFA, and I'm not, you don't have to talk about SFA specifically, but uh, how big of an issue are sexual assaults on college campuses today? I know that's a very wide <laughs> net of a question, right. so to speak, but uh, how... How, how, how big of an issue do students face when it comes to that when they're on campus? That's a great question. Um, you're right. I don't know how much I can speak to SFA specifically. And, right. But, and, but, we don't, and we're not going to imply anything specifically right. for SFA, but no, no, I guess no. just colleges or universities in general. Right. Um, I would say that it is definitely a prominent issue. Um, I'm preaching to the choir when I r- repeat the very well-known statistic that um, approximately one in five college students mm-hmm. will experience some form of sexual assault uh, during their time in college. Now, I will say that um, a lot of it may have something to do with the age group specifically. Um, the 18 to 25 range um, is typically the most at risk for sexual assault. I don't know if it's just you know, becoming a young adult in a big world. Um, So I wouldn't say it's specific to college campuses, um, but I think um, in general it is a big issue nationwide. And I think that's why we are seeing um, 
in the last decade or so, like I said, Title IX taking on more of an active role in trying to address it within the context of school because um, it it's very because it is unfortunately sure. very common. Well, and sometimes I again, this is just my this is Stuart's opinion. <laughs> you know, college life, it's the first time a lot of young people are away from home mm-hmm. for the first time. They may have lived with their parents their whole life until this moment. And so it's their first taste of freedom, so to speak. Right. And uh, and they don't have someone right there looking over their shoulder all the time to kind of help steer them in the right direction. And so I kind of think... Maybe that does kind of play a little bit of a part in it. I completely agree. I think um, I think that that is a big contributing factor. People being on their own for the first time, navigating new relationships, a new environment on their own. Um, and I think um, a, a big contributing factor is just a lack of education on um, consent about healthy relationships. And right. I think it should be starting younger. I think um, schools K through 12 need to be discussing it so that it's not something that builds up and explodes once people get out into the real world. Well, and too, and look, I'm not naive. I know a lot of young people have sexual experiences younger and younger these days. But I think also kind of goes in hand what we were talking about a while ago, your first time at college may be the first time young people may have sexual relationships or serious relationships with, mm-hmm. with, with folks. And I think that may kind of contribute uh, to some of that too. And, um, and I kind of, I kind of, we answered our next question really, you know, one of the things I, I was going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> no, no, And that's fine because I kind of chimed in on that too. Uh, you know, but I think, you know, why is it such an issue on campuses? And again, just to kind of reiterate, I do think it's because a lot of young folks are getting their first taste of, semi-freedom at least they're they're living away from home uh you can kind of do what you want to do when you want to do it no one's even making you go to class if you don't want to go to class you don't you know that's it's up to you that's true so uh anyway that's something that i've always have thought about uh that kind of contributes to some things um so let's talk about what colleges and universities are doing to address the issue. Again, Title IX is is here. I'll be very honest. You know, I went to a college in the late 80s. I never heard of Title IX. Of course, then it was probably Title IX was more what it was originally intended for mm-hmm. was more like equity and sports, you know, making sure men and women have the same opportunities right, right. Uh, for things like that. I don't think even then in the late 80s, Title IX was taking on the same purpose or meaning as as it does now. Agreed. But, yes. but and I, and I kind of know some of this, being with the Family Crisis Center and, and working uh, with the Title IX office at SFA, but let's kind of talk about what colleges and universities are doing to kind of address the issue, maybe... Um, help educating students and things like that. Uh, that Yes, I'm happy to talk about this one because um, you're right. I mean, Title IX, or as we've, you know, we're talking about earlier mm-hmm. in this conversation, um, Title IX, the, the role of it, the purpose of it has changed over time. Right. And so I think that's very much reflective of 
not only individual universities trying to take a more active role, but about our federal government trying to to take more steps to address these things in a systemic way. Um, and so more to that, um, in the state of Texas, um, there has been legislation in the last couple years that mandates that all employees of the university um, that aren't counselors or healthcare professionals have to report to the Title IX office if they hear anything that could be related to a Title IX-related issue. Okay. Um, and this legislation, I think, was pretty controversial or maybe not... Uh, there are some people that strongly agreed with it and some people that strongly sure. opposed to it. Um, but I think that, in general, under... Sexual assault is the most underreported crime. Um, people don't come forward and talk about it as often as maybe they should. Um, so right. I think that this legislation is trying to take a more proactive approach at trying to um, to get people to come talk to our office. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the most important things that um, that could be done in general because – we can't fix things that we don't know are going on. Um, we can't intervene into situations that we're unaware of. And so even though we, we still let the people impacted determine how they want, um, or what kind of resolution they want, if any, um, I think that that's probably one of the most important steps. And, and that's really one of the primary ways that um, universities are addressing the issue, just to simply be made aware of it. But we try to go above and beyond that as well. Um, we also have a uh, prevention education training that all students are required to take prior to coming to the university. Um, it talks about definitions of consent, our policy definitions about various different um, sexual violence uh, acts, including dating violence, domestic violence, stalking, mm -hmm. um, different types of sexual harassment, including quid pro quo, um, hostile environment, sexual harassment. So um, we're trying to make people aware before they even come to campus about what the expectations are um, and also trying to raise awareness. So as we talked about, April is Sexual Assault Awareness mm -hmm. Month. Um, we are we don't have any uh, specific ideas that we're moving on yet, but, you know, trying to do some some uh, events and well, awareness raising and things like that. Like the Family Crisis Center would love maybe to do something with you guys. Yeah, in, in, maybe that's in, a conversation for a different time. <laughs> that, exactly. But yes, exactly. we can certainly yeah. uh, can well, discuss doing something and, like that. And kind of going with that, it is, I think, first of all, it is, is awesome to hear that you are uh, having stu you are educating students when they get on campus about this issue. Uh, I was fortunate uh, back in the fall to actually do a, a, a presentation to the SFA 101 mm -hmm. class about consent specifically and the age of consent and uh, consent online, electronic consent, sexting, and all of that, which I thought, uh, and I was, I was more than happy to do that. And I'm happy that uh, you hear that the that SFA and other universities are taking this step to, right. uh, to initiate that conversation with students. And I also have observed that students are taking a more proactive approach as to raising awareness for these okay. kinds of things, which um, is really enlightening and inspiring to see students take a proactive approach. More, I would say whenever um, 
I started with SWAT way back when, uh, you know, in a peer organization trying to raise awareness and advocacy. Um, There was not very many people or organizations getting involved with this issue. Um, Now I see several organizations reaching out to us unprompted, um, trying to learn more about, you know, what they can do to help their friends if they've experienced something like this, trying to um, get involved. And it's not one sex. We have fraternities and sororities Uh reaching out to us. We have co-ed organizations reaching out to us. Um, There's just people all over campus that genuinely want to learn more. And so I don't know if if it's a cultural shift, um, that is going on with this generation or what exactly it is. But sure. I have noticed that there is more of an effort from students themselves to try to get more involved and um, learn more and be the change. Yeah. I want to ask you this, and I don't know if you want to take it from today or maybe several years ago when you were in uh, an, a, a, an undergraduate in, in SWATs, but when you were out doing tabling events and passing out information about healthy relationship and sexual assault prevention, how was that message received from stu- from just your average student passing by? You're saying, hey, come learn about uh, this important information. Were they receptive? Were they kind of like, oh, no, I'm good? Did they know how to react to it? Hmm, this is a good question. Um, I would say um, it's then and now still not a topic that people are eager to right. discuss. Um, well, sure, <laughs> so, and I um, get that. Right. Um, so tabling is, is one of my favorite ways of outreach because you can reach all kinds of different people. You can talk to them just briefly. Uh-huh. Um, it's harder to get people to come to events um, to on their own time. I've learned from experience but um it but for tabling um i'd say overall um i think people are receiving the information a little bit more easily now it's not really um surprising or taboo um necessarily anymore it is still sensitive you know right um but people aren't as afraid to hear those words as they used to be. And I think it's because it's becoming discussed a little bit more frequently yeah. than perhaps it was a few years ago. I always found it interesting, and you may want to chime in on this from the tablings that you have done, but you know, as far as the Family Crisis Center goes, we've had tables at uh, student orientation, where the yes. parents are with the students, yes. right? And so, and we're a table amongst many organizations and, and, and things, right? And it always seemed like, uh, and this has always been a topic of conversation at our office, when you have a student with their parent, the parent, when they see what we, as far as like the Family Crisis Center and the information we're providing, which is, hey, we have an office here on campus. We are providing these services. We we hope you never need us, but we are right, here. Right. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about relationship violence, and we're here for counseling and all that. Parents will either devour that information give me everything you got because i want my kid to know about this or they will look like they don't even see us and i don't know if that's because they just don't want to face reality uh or what but you know what i'm saying it's like they either they either want everything we can offer them and yes fill up my bag with all this information 
or I don't know, we're we're okay. Right. And it's also if it's a if it's a male student, they automatically are less likely to. I don't know. We don't need any of that. Right. I completely agree. Our we've also I've seen you at orientation, <laughs> um, and our experience has been a pretty much exactly what yeah. you're describing. Yeah. People. Um, yeah, in passing, they feel like, you know, I will never need information about that. Um, yeah. I am completely uninterested in learning And we about hope it. you will never need exactly. it. Exactly. And I and we even <laughs> say that exact line to people whenever right. they come by. We hope right. you never have to see me again. Sure. Truly. Um, but if you do need us, we are here. Um, and so, and you're right I, to, to what you're saying about male students as well. I feel like male students, as soon as they come by the table, they assume that they will never need Right. Um, our services either which mm-hmm. just isn't true right. um and so it's it can be disappointing i suppose that some people um want to turn a blind eye to such an issue but i also understand you know it's um it's not something people want to think about until they have to think well about and it makes it, you which wonder is unfortunate because yeah you because then if if something does happen you know god forbid mm-hmm. um then will they even know where to go and sometimes I wonder if we catch parents off guard. You know, we're coming to orientation, so we're going to find out about, uh, you know, the services the university provides and clubs and organizations. Whoa, there was a family crisis center talking about sexual assault prevention. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe sometimes we do catch parents not prepared to right. think about that aspect of campus life, which unfortunately is something you need to think about, right? Right, exactly. I I think our office, or me specifically, have tried to word our, or like advertise our services or explain our office in a way that doesn't exactly use the scary words of sexual assault. Right. Because that tends to, you know, put everybody on edge. We try to use language about how we are uh, protecting and enforcing civil rights laws, um, you know, try to, mm-hmm. to make it more empowering in yeah. nature, just like the, the way that we talk about it that way. It doesn't sound as jarring, um, <laughs> you know, whenever right. you're not expecting it at student sure. orientation. Exactly. Um, and I think that m- may help a little bit, but then, um, I don't know, eventually people do ask more questions about, like, so what do you mean by this exactly? Right, it's like, mm. right. Um, okay, well. <laughs> let's talk about the reporting of assaults on campus. And again, I'm not necessarily talking specifically SFA, but just colleges and universities right. in, okay. in general. Do you think instances of assault are being reported as they should be? Or do you think there's under-reporting that happens? I definitely think underreporting is a, a huge issue, and it is, and there's dozens of reasons for this. Um, Self blame and guilt are very common amongst people that have been impacted. Um, re, um, stigma about you know what will people think um, is still unfortunately very yeah. common. Um, not knowing how to report, um, and I want to say that. I think I can say this. Um, what I've noticed is uh, a lot of people that have been impacted have said that they simply just want to forget about it. Yeah. 
um, they they don't want to deal with it any further. They want to block yeah. it out. They want to move sure. on with their lives. They don't want to report it. They don't want to. Oh, and there's always the the fear is very common of retaliation. What will they do if they find out yeah. that I've reported? Um, especially if you know we 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 don't uh, impose disciplinary action immediately in our process. We have to investigate it before you know considering possibilities of suspension or expulsion or transcript sure. marks. Um, so people worry about what am I going to do in that meantime? This person knows that I've reported them. Are they going to take it out on me? Are they going to retaliate? Um, so there, there's a bunch of reasons why people are reluctant to come forward. Um, and at least the Title IX um, best practices nationwide um, is to try to address all of those things and to make all of those things yeah. um, well-known, um, like about our anti-retaliation policy and our no-contact protection orders, um, things like that. But it's hard to get people to know about all of those things, about all of those efforts that we take if they, um, if they don't even know about our office as a resource right. in general. What would you have students do or suggest what students do? If we have students who are listening or parents of students who are listening, uh, what can students do to address this issue? Uh, if they want to take a stand or be active on campus, and we can specifically talk about SFA if you want to, uh, but a student that kind of wants to ensure that uh, the environment for them and their fellow students is safer. What can students do? Um, I f first and foremost, if there's someone that's experiencing anything of this nature, um, any of the things that I've discussed—sexual assault, sexual harassment, stalking, dating, or domestic violence—strongly recommend and cannot say it enough. Report it. Report it. Report it. Report it. Because even if you are one of the people that doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, doesn't just wants to move on with their life and doesn't need any kind of supportive measures or help navigating campus life, it could still, there could be other people experiencing the same thing from the same alleged individual. And the more information yeah. we have, the better. And at the very least, you can let me tell you about what our office can do for you and make that decision for yourself instead of being afraid that, you know, we're going to do this or that, or we're not going to do this or that. We can have yeah. that conversation at the very least. Um, and, you know, we're not going to, to tell the alleged initially that there's a report mm -hmm. been made um, unless we're moving forward with some sure. kind of investigation. We're not going to, to punish you or force you to tell me all of the intimate details of everything that happened to you all over again. It's just, at, at least in our process, seeing what we can do to resolve potential inequities that are now yeah. uh, present in your situation. Um, but as far as getting involved and wanting to make campus safer, um, going off of what we were talking about a little bit ago about how people are taking more active uh, approaches, like the student body, there are so many different student organizations. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. Yes, what's yes. The, uh, I don't know if you can name organizations or if you're, if, if you, can't that's fine but um uh, and if you can't i understand well there are a couple different organizations that um 
that are specifically for wanting to take an approach to mm-hmm. this. Of course, the main one that comes to my mind is SWAT. Well, um, I was going to give them a shout out. If you weren't <laughs> going to, I was going to give them a shout out at least. Yes, of course, I've got to talk about SWAT. Um, SWAT is how I came into this yeah. position or what uh, segued me into the, the field, the position I'm currently in. Um, and I will happily talk about them again and again. Um, student-led peer organization that is wanting to discuss not only sexual assault um, and harassment, but also mental health issues um, and stress management issues, navigating college life, um, LGBTQ education and activism, um, all sorts of other things related to wellness, just wellness in general. That's why it's called the Student Wellness Action Team. Um, But also, like I said, so many organizations are taking it upon themselves to get involved, even if that's not central to their mission. Um, And I don't know if I can name them specifically, but like I said, fraternities and sororities are voluntarily getting involved. Um, We have other bigger organizations um, that aren't Greek life that are wanting to get involved. We have um, major specific uh, groups uh, from different colleges Mm -hmm. wanting to get involved, wanting to get trained. Um, So it's really, um, if there's a a student or an uh, organization that's wants to bring it forward and talk about it as an issue, it's um, it, it's absolutely welcomed. It's uh, it's something that the conversation's already happening about, and yeah. a lot of people are jumping in. So it's um, so really you can find so many different spaces in which you can talk about or advocate or learn about um, sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual violence. Okay, excellent. Um. So, Kate, before we go, I, I want to shift gears a little bit and um, and uh, get a little bit of a profile on you. Uh, <laughs> just just what real, uh, really briefly, I've I've known you now for a few years, right. uh, but um, so you're currently a graduate student. Tell us about what you're doing right now. I am a uh, psychology graduate student here at SFA. Um, my I also got my bachelor's degree in psychology. I think I've known that I wanted to learn about psychology since I was in high school. Okay. I took a psychology class as a senior, junior, um, and instantly was hooked, thought it was so interesting, um, and thought that no matter what I want to do going forward, I think it's important to learn more about people in order to be successful. Um, Just whether that's interacting with colleagues or clients of whatever sort, I think that's important. So... Um, but in general from like why, I guess why this specific field. Yeah. And that's what I was, you has, know, what kind of, uh, attracted you to being an advocate for, uh, uh, for preventing relationship violence and, and things along that line? Well, um, I would say for, gosh, I don't know, as long as I can remember, I have always been the mom friend. Um, I don't know if I, if I have to define that term, but uh, I think I know what you're talking right, about. Right. But. My, my friends, my siblings have always come to me, um, in pursuit of guidance, support, um, and even in tough times related to sexual violence. And I've j- just noticed that it really happened all too often. I knew way too many friends, high school and in college that have been impacted by this. Yeah. And so to, to see so many people that I love and care about, go through this time and time again, um, 
and to to realize that you know I with my psychology education um like have I guess a skill for hearing tough stories be told yeah for reacting with empathy um and active listening um I just thought that this is where I can do my best work sure um I can hear people tell their story and try to offer support no matter how well or not well I know them. Um, and that really has become a strength, especially in this job, um, helping people with, you know, all kinds of different things that they're going through and providing actively providing different kinds of resolutions. It has really, and I've had people, both complainants and respondents in our process tell me that, Talking to me or um, having my help and support has really been a big help to them yeah. in going through this. And that's been the most rewarding part of it all. Um, and so, it, for, yes, I've felt like I've been in a position like that for a long time. And so being in this position now in this role as compliance specialist here, has it just feels like a right fit. When are you looking to graduate? <laughs> um <laughs> A lot of graduate students laugh when I ask them that. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If, if if you're not sure, do you have an idea, once you do graduate, what do you want to pursue? Uh, so, yes, uh, graduate school is complicated. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it depends on whenever I finish my thesis, um, which shouldn't be too much longer, actually. So hopefully this year, 2022. Okay. Um, the plan... For now, um, I do want to stay with Title IX for at least a couple more years. Uh, I feel like I'm really making a difference here. Um, the students here need someone here. Um, I mean, I'm sure they do at universities all over the place, but here specifically. Sure. Um, it's hard to get people to come out and to a rural community. Um, so, and I like it here. I love living in Nacogdoches, and so if I can help support you know, students in this town than I will and I can. Um, Eventually down the line, um, I might continue with the psychology route um, and get a PhD in that, Um, maybe consider uh, clinical psychology. Uh, And based on the experience that I've had so far, I'm thinking of going more so as a um, responding to victims of crime kind of path. So um, talking to people that have been impacted by various different types of crime, uh, in addition to sexual violence, sexual assault. Um, because like I said, I feel like I have the emotional intelligence, uh, the, uh, the strength yeah. to, to be with people during tough times and listen with empathy and ask them questions in a way that's trauma informed mm-hmm. and also, uh, sensitive, but gets a lot of information out of people. And I think that would ultimately be my goal, um, going forward is to to be in posi- in, a, in a professional position like this, okay. but in other contexts as well. Sure. Uh, and finally, I do want to make sure we get this information out. If someone needs Title IX services, where can they go? Who can they call? Where are y'all on campus? That sort of thing. 
Uh, yes, I'm glad we're getting to this. <laughs> um, so Title IX, um, you can just Google SFASU Title IX, um, and it'll pull you up to our website. Okay. Um, or you can Google SFASU Lumberjacks Care, because Lumberjacks care about resolving instances like this, um, and it'll bring you to our website. There, On the right-hand side of the webpage, there are two different reporting forms. One is for responsible employees. Like I said earlier, every employee mm-hmm. at the institution, with those couple of exceptions, for the confidential ones has to report to us so they can use that reporting form sure. if they don't have all of the information. There's also another reporting form for people that are self-reporting um, that has uh, spaces for a little bit more information since they're the ones providing their own information. Um, there's also our contact information, our phone number. Um, you can call to set up an appointment or make a report, and that's 936-468-8292. Um, or email title9 at sfasu.edu, and one of us, probably me, will be the one to uh, respond, reach out, and try okay. to set something up and, and talk about it. Excellent. All right. Kate West, thank you. I appreciate your time, and uh, this was a very, a very informative uh discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Stuart. Really enjoyed it being here. Well, if you have any uh, questions or comments, you can email us at conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. Also, I do want to always remind you, if you do feel like you need the services of the Family Crisis Center, we do have a, a, a toll-free number that's answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number is 1-800-828-7233. And be sure to subscribe to Conversations and Connections. You can do that via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the podcast service of your choice. And as always, remember, be the voice if not for you, for someone else.